welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Happy Monday morning here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Chip Patterson joined by Barton Simmons. Uh, the, the week is in the books, but our conversation, I think, Barton, uh, really needs to extend a little bit bigger. We can't give you uh, the game breakdowns that we might normally be giving you uh, looking back at the action because I, I think there's just too many uh, pieces moving on the chessboard right now in college football. Yeah, man, this is there's a lot going on. It's time to start uh, focusing on what's really important no offense to those programs out there still scraping and clawing and and uh working to get to a bowl or 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 whatever benchmark is out there but i think we're, we're gonna have to start zeroing in on the playoff teams the coaching searches the heisman race you know the the big ticket items in this college football cycle yeah i know you fans and listeners and, and loyal ones of the show they you, i know that you wanted uh, us to be breaking down duke just putting it on georgia tech but <laughs> unfortunately we'll have to save that for the uh the extra the overtime podcast if we ever create that uh hey let's uh let's let's do start on the field though um miami gets a scare as you're watching this game and virginia goes up uh, you know, getting up by two touchdowns at two different points in the game. At what point did you start to entertain the idea that this was going to be a spot where Miami could maybe lose? I, I was entertaining that from from kickoff. I, I really felt like, and it sort of it, it feels a little bit. Um, I don't know, like I, I felt a little sheepish, sort of going strong on that at, before the game because we just doubted Miami for so many weeks in a row that the you know the publicly I was more like yeah this is going to be a you know an upset alert but more of a spot where Virginia is going to cover and but I really I mean Virginia is a good team and yep. and 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 that's one of the real I mean Bronco Mendenhall one of the sort of coach of the year type of candidates out there I, and, and with the way that team has looked totally different this year than last year uh, they've you know they they beat a good Georgia Tech team. They beat a good Boise State team. They've beaten Duke. They're, I mean, they're, this is a team that plays football with 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 every with anybody. Uh, I thought they could win, and the way they jumped out, I knew at Miami would be a little bit flat. They were. Virginia jumped out, and and I really felt like they could that they could sustain it, and, and they really did, with the exception of a couple sort of backdoor uh, late turnovers. I mean, that was a game that Virginia absolutely could have win, could have won. But again, I mean, credit Miami. Hey, it was a little bit ugly, but and this was a letdown spot, and they came out and recovered from a sluggish start and won the football game. So Miami, this is not a this is not a ding to Miami's resume to me. No, it, not at all. Stretch. You know, this is a this is just another. Uh, Another team that now they had the target on their back and 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 they played with it and and, and came out with a win. You want to talk about like uh, you know where teams are later in the year? Oftentimes, like uh, for example, Virginia, a six and five team uh, is is a six and five team that I would consider a scare to Virginia Tech in their rivalry game. 
Um, you know, that's a that's a series that the Hokies have dominated. I think for almost since the beginning of the 2000s. And uh, I'm I I am of the mindset that Virginia Tech still probably wins this game. But like you, uh, this was a good Virginia team that had absolutely a perfect start. Kurt Benkert hanging in the pocket, starting like 10 for 10 or 11 for 11, throwing the ball around. Uh, there's no single outstanding player on this Virginia offense from a skill position standpoint that'll just like wow you or be getting NFL looks, but uh, they do. And I think that didn't Bronco bring a good portion of his BYU staff with him? Robert and I, is that how you pronounce his last name? The offensive coordinator over there? Yeah. 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 I They they do a good job of mixing up different formations and, and figuring out ways to, uh, to open things up on the field. And so I... I look at Miami and the when they I think that when they got it to thirty one twenty eight like once they finally made the second comeback from being down two scores that's when I was like all right they're gonna win this game and I think that the scoreboard like you mentioned uh, reflects maybe uh, a little bit more of a a good like a, a solid win for Miami or at least one that wasn't as much in doubt as it was I so good teams do right they like they get that that punch and then they figure out a way to battle back. I was impressed with the kid Olamide Zacchaeus. Oh yeah, he has, He's got some moves. Yeah, he's he's got some feel to him when he catches the football to to make make plays after the catch, <clears throat> like what Virginia did. But but ultimately, yeah, this came down to, um, I mean, Miami may have one of the best defensive backs in college football, and Jaquan Johnson. Jaquan Johnson's awesome. I mean, he just that dude. And I remember him from college, or not from college, from high school. <clears throat> you know, not a not the biggest kid. Didn't have great testing numbers. Not an elite athlete type of guy, but just a playmaker. Just always around the football. Always making plays. Big time instincts. And <clears throat> sure enough, like that's where we're at once again with him. Uh, he's got an interception each of the last three games for the last five. Stupid. That's incredible. It's, it is. It is. And, and uh, obviously he, he took that one to the house over the weekend. So that – I mean that's what this Miami team's all – been about is is turning the football over making big plays when they count uh, being big in the big moments and uh, you know they're they're still you know to me deserve it at number two in the country uh if, if you want to rank them that high yeah if if you're undefeated you're 10 and 0 that like you deserve a spot at the top at this point in the season like you are right. I mean, there's there's yeah. there's no reason there's no reason for us to try and apply any uh, qualifiers. You know, the the Notre Dame and the Virginia Tech wins. That's I think that answered everyone's questions about Miami. The only question now, and one that we'll continue to address moving forward, uh, is going to be you know how much confidence do you give them against Clemson? Because I think even getting to the college football football playoff. I won't be out here picking Miami to win the national championship, but just with the mojo that that team is has going right now, uh, I I wouldn't want to play them in that first game for sure. Yeah, and, and once again, every week, you know, we we find a new reason to doubt this Miami team, and they, you know, this week it was all right. Well, after you know, it's a letdown opportunity after two big weeks, two big wins at home. What are they going to do? Eleven a.m. or or noon kick at home? Um, it was loud at noon. It was, and so here's here's the what I'm getting at is now they got another another sort of reason for us to doubt them. Yeah. Now to pit, there will be zero atmosphere <clears throat> day after Thanksgiving, and you know they I think that they've they still have more opportunities for us to 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 get more bought in. Like as as much as we still believe in this Miami team, 
there's still more opportunity for them to 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 add people to the bandwagon. And so I, I I'll be impressed if they can go out and really dominate a, a pit team that's that's you know looked decent here the last couple of weeks. No doubt. Um, okay, let's let's keep so, it. And, wait. And, and, but, so I don't know where you're going next, but I want to take it this in this direction. Um, Wisconsin. That's where I'm going. And Miami. Yeah. Between those two, after the weekend and after all you've seen this season, who would you trust more in the college football playoffs? Wisconsin. I would too. Mm-hmm. I said I, I tweeted that, and and I you know I after watching Wisconsin really just sort of totally control the game against Michigan, and. I think I mean there's there's probably more upside to Miami. There's probably more you know you, you, their their best is probably better than Wisconsin's best, but there's a lot less variance with Wisconsin. I think you you know you just you know what you're going to get every every game every week and and I I, I really I really like this team. Uh, I really like them. You're starting to you've no this has been a slow burn crush for you. It really has. Like what maybe like. It it maybe started when they finally got like seven and zero or eight and zero, and you just realized that it's like, man, with in in a you know uh, one of the big themes that came up a lot last week was just uh, that I, I know you mentioned is like the difference between the way teams play at home and the way teams play away. Like there is a there is a lot of love to be had for the very few teams that are just rock solid, consistent, and I would even stretch this back like. The like, and, and I know you've joked like you and I could coach Wisconsin, but like this is something that goes all the way for me all the way back to last season. And this is Paul Chris' third season as the head coach in Madison. But like the last two years, it's just been the like the rock solid defense, an offensive line that can get down and get out in space and just maul you and open up these huge seams for you know Jonathan Taylor or like. Uh, a wide receiver on a jet sweep, or uh, I know you uh, you shared the ridiculous uh, clip on Twitter of the double reverse or the everyone pulls reverse play. Like right. this, this group is rock solid, consistent, and they've been playing championship caliber football for like the better part of two seasons. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean this. They held this Michigan team that's been just straight up bulldozing people to 58 yards rushing yeah that that, this defense is they're so so good um and it's not like a it's 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 a unique defense because i don't know if you don't look at that defense and necessarily point to a ton of nfl guys correct It's, it's not even like watching michigan it's not like watching auburn it's not like watching Alabama even. It's, it's just – but everybody is in the right place at all times. Even unique to even Wisconsin's defense because at times, you know, last year, you know, you kind of count on T.J. Watt to, to show up and, and, and just sort of be a first-round type of talent. And, and this defense is – and don't get me wrong, they got players, but TJ, – T.J. Edwards and Ryan Connolly could play in the NFL. Yeah, no, I mean, they have guys that could play in the NFL. But, it, but th- there's – to me, I don't see guys that are just like flashing freakish athleticism. They're just – they're always in the right place. There's always someone in a gap. There's always someone fitting the run the right way. There's always somebody like on the backside um, cut back. Like it's just it's, – it's just like textbook defensive play. And, and that's characteristic of Wisconsin 
throughout. But this year, I think even more so. I, they're just a fun team to watch. And then you look like I thought Alex Hornibrook was was really good. Uh, I was impressed with him. Even some of the, like they had a couple either incomplete balls. Like I remember one Danny Davis caught that they that looked like a catch that they were overruled. Like even his stats almost didn't even tell the story. I know he had the pick early, but I, I, I thought that he was like I mean not a nineteen hundred forty three yards, a touchdown interception. Like that's that's not that's not all that impressive but what it looked like to me was was really good like I thought I think he's he's made some big throws like he hit some tight windows he kept that defense honest and then Jonathan Taylor is just a uh, yeah he's awesome and we're gonna get him for three more or two more years after this yeah he's he's gonna he's gonna set some records with that offense um I I I think that Hornybrook is a big part of the reason why I trust Wisconsin more than Miami in the college football playoff because you trust him more than than Rozier? Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, which is it's fun. Which is funny to say because I don't know the. Like, I think Rozier's more athletic. I think he's more talented. I think he's going to be better at like being able to uh, make plays with his feet, being able to extend the pocket, being able to you know figure out like I I had forgotten until really digging into this Miami team over the last three weeks. Like Rozier was a he played baseball. You know, like this is this dude is a a high caliber athlete. And a, a total gamer, and you love that stuff uh, as the complement to one of the best defensive te- defensive units in the country. But like, if we're talking about, you know, Alex Hornibrook has one pick in him in the college football playoff semifinals. Malik Rozier might have three. Well, I mean, Hornibrook's got what? He's got eighteen TDs, thirteen interceptions on the year. He's got three games with multiple interceptions. Um, you know, he he's. He can throw a pick or two, uh, but he also he, he seems to make plays, like enough plays every game to win. And, and you know, depending on the game, Rozier does that too. I, I don't know. They're, they're pretty, like, those two are pretty. You think that's a wash? Like as we're stacking these two teams up, that's like a, they negate each other out? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I... I Hornibrook's just one of those guys you look up and you feel like he was better than his stats, and and maybe that's just because their run game is such a big, is such a featured part of their offense, and, and all he really needs to do is is just make those complimentary throws here and there. Whereas Rozier, you need you need him to be a guy that wins you a game. Like for Miami, like you need him to be the focal point of the offense. And, and I don't think Hornibrook has to be that guy. And so in a way, I guess it's about what you're asking of these two guys. That's true. And, and so because of that, I guess you can kind of trust Hornibrook more because there's not, he's never going to be asked to just go out there and, and, and win a football game. Or at least that's, that's the, that would be outside of the game plan for them. All right. Do you think that Wisconsin right now, uh, Ohio state has clinched the big 10 East. The big 10 championship game is set. Do you think that Wisconsin is in a position to go and beat the Buckeyes in Indianapolis? It's hard for me to envision it, honestly. But it was, hard. I mean, but I didn't, couldn't envision Ohio State losing to this Iowa team either. Um, I think that, I think they defensively, I think Ohio State's, I, I do think they can really challenge Ohio State's offense. I mean, that kind of goes without saying, just based on how. Well, much I mean, you 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 can say like that goes without saying because we we've got this like on record. Uh, you know, obvious. Like, what what can happen when Ohio State faces a really elite 
uh, defense, which Wisconsin is. And and I think that Ohio State's defense offense, a lot of it is getting guys running east west, you know, picking people off and man coverage. Um, sort of. I mean, I think that there is a if you are a really sound defense that can just keep plays in front of you, I think you can you got a pretty good chance against Ohio State. And I think that's sort of what Wisconsin is. So, uh, you know, I, I, it's just, man, Ohio State's so talented, and it's, it, is, it is really hard for me to get there. I, 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 part of me just sort of, ho- like, there's an element of just, I kind of would like to see them win. Just it'd be fun to see that Wisconsin team figure out a way to beat this Ohio State team. And, um, I, but I'm not sure I'm confident that it's going to happen. And then, because then we could get a My- that Miami-Wisconsin game in the college football playoff. That would be wild if those two teams made it. No one, <laughs> no one thought. Do you think Wisconsin will beat Ohio State? <sighs> I think I'm rooting for it, which is you know I shouldn't be rooting for anything, but uh, I, I, I got mad at this Ohio State team. I uh, did too. I thought this Ohio State team was going to win the the national championship, and they still might. But I, I am very down on this team, this talented of a team, to have two big like, like basically blowout losses yeah that's to me that's inexcusable and i don't really i'm not really a fan of 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 that resume being in the college football playoffs like you just go out and you blow out every nobody on your schedule but then you lose to just sort of average teams or not average one's a really good team but you but iowa is certainly average um i cannot believe iowa lost to purdue this weekend and i was offense since that output against Ohio State, where they had what five hundred plus yards. Yeah, their offense has been horrible. Like, they haven't done anything since then. Um. Okay. Let's. Uh, I. We need to get to Jim Mora, and uh, and I think that uh, we we might circle back to Ohio State later. But before we do, uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, it was close early, but never really. Kentucky just never really posed a threat here. Um, Gary Danielson mentioned on our podcast, you know, it would be interesting to see if Kirby was going to tip his hand. I kind of felt like Georgia didn't really have to in this game and that being able to keep things a little bit tight, lean on what they're good at and just wait to pull away late. That was, uh, that was good enough for the Bulldogs to be able to close this out in their final home game of the season. Yeah, man. Like that's, they, they <laughs> to, to, I guess Gary was sort of getting at what that they you know, are they going to sort of change what they do realize like a, they've got to be different and right they they didn't have to be different no and not at all certainly didn't volunteer anything different yeah. you know they uh, they did it the same way they've been doing it which is just play good defense pound the rock and, and let that let that catch up to your uh, sort of pull the the boa constrictor approach. Um, and they sucked the life out of out of Kentucky, and Jake Fromm was nine of fourteen for a TD and interception. Like it's just sort of your typical Jake Fromm, one hundred twenty three yard effort. And uh, that was. Do you think they can be that team? Like, do you think they can continue with this? Do you think they can get to the SEC championship game and win with that approach? No, I don't think they can beat Alabama or Auburn again. Mm, Auburn again would be interesting. Because if it's Auburn again, here's my here's my thought right now. Um, if it's Auburn again, we might have a classic case of just running out of steam. I mean, like th- that would be 
to to go Georgia, Alabama, Georgia again would be incredible for this Auburn team. An Auburn team that's like very, very good, and no doubt one of the most uh, one of the most talented, like in terms of raw talent, but also like one of the hottest teams in college football. I I still don't think that I mean I don't think Alabama is a world beater, but I certainly don't think that Auburn is a world beater. And to to run that high for so long, especially with you know like all of the work that that takes from on Johnson, with like uh, I don't know, man, that would, it would be incredible. No doubt, but that's where I almost wonder if Georgia would get him in the rematch with that game being in Atlanta and not necessarily in uh, Jordan-Hare Stadium. Georgia basically did to Kentucky what Auburn did to them because Kentucky is, is in some ways like a, a mini, mini version of Georgia. Oh, like they, all they're oh, going to do is run the football team. Yeah, 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 I know what you're saying, but that's like, still funny. It's, you know, like, and and they just big-boyed them. And um, I don't know, man. Like, I don't I don't know that I think that they can do that in the SEC championship game and and expect to come out with a win. And maybe it's just a matter of – I do think Jake Fromm's a good enough quarterback for them to win it. I mean, they, I think they could win every game with Jake Fromm at quarterback. It's just a matter of, like, this team is still – like, that's – it's just different. Man, this is like – the SEC East is so different than the top and the best teams in the country. Like – you watch, look at what Missouri's doing, just blowing out Bandy, Tennessee, and uh, Florida, Florida, and 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 that's I think is a, is a great representation of just what the SEC East is, which is a just a really bad conference at the bottom. You know, beyond Georgia, just not very good football teams, and Kentucky's one of them. Like they, you look at Kentucky's schedule, they haven't really played anybody. I don't know if this, te- this this game proves much for Georgia. Um, you know, one of my biggest takeaways from this game is I, I love Benny Snell. That dude's—he's fun to watch. Kentucky running back, oh, like yeah, yeah. physical, like hard-nosed, competitive back. And Gary Daniels, even on the broadcast, sort of was was giving him some props, which I was glad to see. But um, man, that dude can—he can run for anybody. So you, so right now with Georgia. It sounds like you are. We understand exactly what this team is. This is a tremendous season. Getting to Atlanta, uh, you know, going to finish as one of the top teams in the country, probably in a New Year's Six Bowl. But it doesn't sound like there's a lot of confidence right now that this team is going to be winning the championship. And thus, we can probably scratch them from your your projected playoff picture. I don't know. I actually think the more as I think about this, I think that Georgia. Is is equipped to beat Alabama much less so than Auburn? Wow, because it, because it would just be like they it's would. It's the Mississippi State blueprint. Yeah, like I think, I think Bama's front seven's beat up enough to where Georgia play keep could, away. Yeah, play keep away, control the football, and and shorten that game and lean on their defense. And and I think that they, I think that's a winnable game. Auburn, I just don't know if. That front seven for Auburn is is what Alabama's front seven looked like at the you know in preseason, and they've just they've just survived and Alabama hasn't. So I don't I don't think you can do that against Auburn. I think I think if I'm if I'm Georgia, I am praying that Alabama wins that Iron Bowl. We are going to have all week to break it down. What's your Monday morning hunch on the Iron Bowl? My Monday morning hunch is that Auburn is the better football team right now, but I'm. I, 
Alabama finds a way to win. That's yeah. my hunch. Yeah. We'll see if that changes. I'm, I think that I'm hitching my, uh, and, and we'll use this as a way to bring, I think I'm hitching my, like, my, my, I'm hitching my wagon to Jalen Hurts right now in terms of my predictions. Hurts um, versus deal like Hurts just making a couple more plays. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's 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 kind of how I see this playing out. Like I don't I don't think that uh I don't think Hurts is going to win the Heisman, but I think that it, like outside of Baker Mayfield, I'm taking I'm I'm taking Jalen Hurts as like the difference maker in any game that looks like it's going to be close if he's involved. Yeah. He's, he's I think sick. Yeah. You know, I'll be interested in how healthy Minka Fitzpatrick is. That's, you know, he was able to rest this past weekend. If he's full speed, that matters. If, if, um, if Rashawn Evans is full speed, which I think he is, that, that matters. I mean, those two guys are, are, they're the difference makers of that defense. So I think those, having those guys, um, healthy still masks a lot with the other guys being out. And hey, you got got another week with Dylan Moses getting some reps and, and, um, Keith Holcomb getting some reps, and those guys. Are, I think they'll be better this week than they were against Mississippi State. Isn't uh, <laughs> it's Rashawn Evans was like the number one player in the country, right? He was a five star. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's been so because he's kind of you know been coming up along. Like Foster came through. Like he's he's been slowly had his workload, and now he really is like one of the stars or like most recognizable faces. But it's just so funny. Like I think that the the casual college football fan probably had not seen Rashawn Evans with his helmet off until this season. And I just love the reactions that you see when he's like talking to Allie LaForce and everyone's like, yo, who is this 33 year old that is wearing an Alabama uniform number 32 right now? That dude is grown uh, AF as the kids say. He's the, he is the like poster child for Alabama's defense because as like there was never any doubt like you know you get guys that come in and you're like oh i hope he's not a bust uh, you know he's a five star like i hope he doesn't bust you know when he hadn't shown up a couple years in there was never a doubt in my mind that he was he was all we, he was cracked up to be despite playing just like special teams as a freshman and yeah. just a you know, situational as a sophomore and and like even last year as a junior like he was just he was sort a rotation of, yeah, he was rotational but there but when he was on the field there was no doubt it was just a matter of like oh you got to like there's Sean Dion Hamilton and um, Reuben Foster and uh, you know whoever held else that you know was the first round draft pick three years ago at linebacker. Like they, there's just so even uh, even Reuben Foster. Like it took to his, I mean, his junior year. I feel like was the first year where he was like on the field every play. Yeah, even sophomore. I feel like he was like rotational. So that's just Alabama's defense, and I think this this year <clears throat> they would be like that as well. But they just they've. The injuries have have, uh, have crushed them. All right, um, let's uh, let's let's take it to that Heisman picture. The uh, are we going to have to deal with Heisman voters trying to go with the uh, the in, the trying to make this a moral thing with Baker Mayfield? No chance, right? Oh <laughs> uh, man, I hope they don't. That's some crusty nonsense, man. Um, because because the the crotch grab and the flag plant like all this stuff is kind of what you get right it's on the box when you buy the Baker Mayfield experience it's got a rating on it you need to know when you're gonna have some scenes or you got to cover the kids eyes this is this is not PG uh, college football never never was promised to be no and let's like let's he didn't expose himself 
<laughs> yeah, he. Did, this was not sex. This was not uh, sexual misconduct. This is no, just a, like, an inappropriate gesture. Like I, I hate it when people are like aghast at players, like putting putting their middle finger up. You know, like flicking the bird. Like, look, I. You can say that that's inappropriate, but just don't act all a flush about like that. That, that like you got to hide your child's eyes. Like it's, it doesn't. It's it's not like frightening. It's just a gesture. Like let's just stop, let's stop with this nonsense. Like the guy, as you said, look, he's he's. This is an R-rated movie. Yeah. Parental advisory encouraged. Like this guy, that's the way he plays. And and I'm not saying he should have done it. And I'm not defending it. But I'm. I also don't. Like I don't care. I'm not. I, I wasn't. I wasn't asking for a, an apology. Um, that's just look. If if if. If anybody offended me, it's Kansas, not taking the guy's hand to open the game. And and David Beatty, give me a break, man. Like in the in the post game um, presser when he was asked about it, like he basically defended it and and acted like, well, you know what, our guys, you know, that's their way of saying they're not going to back down and and they're going to uh, defend their grass and and um, you know maybe they could have handled it better, but I'm I, I'm okay with it. It's like, are you serious, man? You're Kansas. You got no chance in this game, and you're going to disrespect the best player in college football. Um, it almost it, it looked like it was almost like a coordinated deal, and and that's not the way. That's not how you tough. You're not tough by not shaking hands with someone. You're tough by going out there and playing ball, and 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 like bringing a mentality to the field, not to the handshake. Like. I was I was really down on Kansas for that, and I didn't mind that Baker Mayfield gave him the business. And I, <laughs> like, I got I have zero issue with it. And if a Heisman Trophy voter has, then then uh, you know they need to they, they need to figure out a better way to spend their time than voting for the Heisman. And 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 honestly, I, if an NFL franchise has a problem with it, then I, I question them too. Like, do you want a competitor, or do you want, uh, as Nick Saban says, a candy striper? Yeah, uh, I think you want the competitor. Um, Oklahoma has clinched a spot in the Big 12 championship game. And with Oklahoma State's loss this weekend, yeesh, um, we likely are going to get TCU back there with the rematch of the game that we had la- the week before. Um, Oklahoma, TCU, if they run it back again, are, are you in the back of your head a little bit nervous that Gary Patterson has been cooking up uh, a Baker Mayfield stopper uh, game plan, like for, yeah, all, for I, all this time. I, I am, but I don't know how you do it. Like I don't know, I don't know what the like functionally how it works. Um, obviously, that's pretty impressive holding any Texas Tech team to three points. Uh, so they they seem to be warming up for it, but I don't know how you do it. I think I think Oklahoma wins. I, I'm scared of Gary Patterson in, in making that pick, but I can't I can't sit here and break down the way you can operate that and the way you actually institute a, a you know, a, a game plan to where TCU shuts down Baker and, and that offense. I, if, I just don't know. If that spread is seven and a half and certainly if it's 10 or 10 and a half, I will be tempted to take TCU against the spread, but there is no chance in hell. I'm thinking that Oklahoma loses that game. No, I bet you. And, and I bet there's not many people that, that, I bet there's a lot of people with that thinking as well, which makes me think it's going to be a heavy public play. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Which makes it even 
more scared, but still, you know, it's just, man, I don't know. I, I, it ain't going to be me that, that doesn't back him. Yeah. No, nah, that's, I'm, I'm not getting caught on the bad side of that one. Um, who else, who else do you think? So we, we agree that like Baker Mayfield Heisman front runner. Um, I mentioned Jalen hurts earlier, but I don't think Jalen hurts is going to be able to get enough national mojo or national juice. Cause do remember this is like the old, uh, electoral votes. You know, you've got to win the regions. There's only a certain number of votes devoted to each region. And so while uh, I would not be surprised to see a heavy number of points collected by Jalen hurts in the South, I don't know if you're going to get it uh, out on the West Coast or in the Pacific Northwest. Um, so I, I tend to think that Jalen Hurts could find himself as a finalist. I don't think there's any shot of him catching Baker. Who else is on your Heisman radar as we sit here? I mean, they got to turn those ballots in after the conference championship games. Um, I, and I still feel like there's a lot of potential finalist spots up for grabs. Can, can Jalen Hurts dominate the Iron Bowl and – and and work his way into uh, New York. No. Oh, work his oh work his way into New York. Yes. I'm just saying I don't think he he can catch Baker because I don't think that the rest of the country is going to be willing to supplant what Mayfield's been doing all season for uh, the November Warrior best team best player superstar vote. So if you're a Heisman voter, um. Who who? What's your ballot look like? What's your four? You only get three. Okay, so what's your three then? Uh, Mayfield, Hertz, and mm. Bryce Love. I think Bryce Love's got to be on there. Yeah, like he's my number two for what he's done, and and even what was what game was it that I like. Maybe it was um, was it Washington. He was awesome in Washington. What was the game where he was like basically running on one leg, and oh. and still had like a fifty nine yard touchdown? And it might have been Washington. And, and but even this past week, he's still injured and he still had a long of fifty seven. Like he's just good for it every week. And he's also he's not just a speed guy. He's I think I saw somewhere that he's um you know one of the top two in the country in yards after contact. Um, so he. He'll he will take a punch and and deliver one and and, and bounce off and get rolling. I, I love that guy, man. I, I used to think he was just a speed guy, and like I wondered whether he had even had like what kind of NFL upside he had before. Not 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 this year, but before this year, and and this year, man, like he's it's been a no doubt from the start. Like that guy's an NFL running back, uh, and and a really good one. So I think Bryce loves in there. Um, it's funny, you know, people were have been tweeting out Lamar Jackson stats compared to last year. It's basically the exact same season. Yeah, but different landscape. Heisman voters are you against everybody else. Yeah. I guess, I mean, just the fact that Louisville... If and, Louisville was 10-2 and two right now, Lamar Jackson would be in, the, in, in, the, in New York, wouldn't he? And the cards, uh, when we did that exercise of going back to look at old college football playoff rankings, the cards were like in the top five in November. Last year? Yeah. 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 So, like, I mean, it was it was only the way that everything, like, you know, they, there was the loss to Houston, followed by the loss to Kentucky, followed by the bowl loss, I think it was, to LSU. Like, those three straight losses changed the way that we felt about, um, you know, the season and Louisville and Lamar Jackson in general. But, like, 
you know, prior to that Houston, I mean, they went seven and one in ACC play tied with Clemson, just lost the head to head to make the championship game. I mean, it was a, it was considered one of the top teams in the entire country. And I think that that made Lamar's statistical greatness. It like gave it a little bit more juice behind it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he did it in big moments, and he did it, you know, he put up 70 or whatever against Florida State, and, like, those those sort of games, the, those Heisman moments were there. So, yeah, I, I'd go one, Baker, two, Bryce, three. Um, I don't know if I'd go Hurts. I think he, I think Hurts is just that good. I think he's, he's Heisman good, but he doesn't have – I don't know that he – I think he's had a Heisman season. Um, so, I guess I should have been ready for an answer to this when I asked it. Asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I, like, do you, do you throw Barkley back on the mix? I might. I mean, I still think I, th- I still think Saquon Barkley is, even though he had a couple games where he didn't put up a ton of ton of yardage rushing the football. I still think what he does for that offense and opening things up and being a pass catcher and and being a return guy, I think you can't sort of quantify it with just a you know yards per carry number. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I'll say that. Maybe I'll go Bryce Love too. But I think it's a clear one too to me. And then maybe I'll go Saquon three, and there'll probably be a lot of haters that say that's a, you know, that that's given his three straight games where he didn't top 100 yards and all that stuff. It's that's a that's a bad pick. But I, I still, man, I just think he's he, he he's had some real Heisman moments. Um, a lot of them, honestly. Well, let me uh, let me also uh, load my hurts conversation again like I said I'm kind of hitching my wagon to this with the idea that Alabama wins the Iron Bowl Alabama wins the SEC championship and if Alabama wins those next two games the way that I am foreseeing this go down uh, is that Jalen Hurts is a big part of it if not the reason why it happens and then you go back to the Mississippi State game and you've got a string of performances against top tier SEC teams where the reason Alabama was able to remain undefeated was their sophomore quarterback. Now, oh, go ahead. I was just saying, now if they lose the Iron Bowl and he throws three picks, point is moot. If Damian Harris got a full workload, like a Jonathan Taylor, Bryce Love workload, I think he would be a Heisman finalist, if not favorite. I really think he's that good, but they just, they're, you know, he gets nine, ten carries a game. Um, Hurts. Like I, yeah, I like we just we've had some great moments from him, but he just like, you know, his best. You know, he's got a couple three hundred total yard games. That's about it, right? Yeah. So I just, you know, to me, he is good enough to win the Heisman. He's Heisman. He's Heisman caliber, and he's had Heisman moments. But just the nature of this season, and he hadn't been asked to be that guy for them. And and maybe if he does it in the in the Iron Bowl, then you know that changes my opinion. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but as we like to tell you, there's a better, simpler, and easier way to buy, and that is with SeatGeek. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone. Uh, I told y'all last week that now that the schedule's starting to open up a little bit, I'm going to have the opportunity getting some Carolina Hurricanes tickets. I'm not a season ticket buyer because I'm committed and I love this job, but the SeatGeek app gives me the best opportunity so that I can know how to get the best value for my buck. They've got a 0 to 100 grade for every single ticket so I can know where the value is, know that whether you know Section 330 is going to be a better value than 301 or if I want to go lower level. Uh, it gives me all the information and it's just so easy because you can buy those tickets with just two taps. 
SeatGeek saves you money because they actually search all the different ticket sites. So don't get lost in searching the different exchanges or going to other sites. SeatGeek will search them all, comparing the prices to find amazing deals. And since every purchase is fully guaranteed, you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. So make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket. You know, I I do it for the Carolina Hurricanes here in Raleigh, but you could do it for anything, theater, uh, concerts. This is the way to encompass any ticket buying experience and the best of all our listeners get $20 off their first seat geek purchase just download the seat geek app and enter promo code 24 7 today that's promo code 24 7 for $20 off your first seat geek purchase you get a good value that $20 off could make those tickets incredibly cheap the best price that you're going to find so download the seat geek app and enter promo code 24 7 today for your $20 off your first Seat Geek Purchase. The uh, Jim Mora out at UCLA. That- Before we get to that, uh, this this kind of can bring us into it. I, I thought this was interesting. I wanted to talk about this. What did you think about the Sam Darnold versus Josh Rosen battle? Ooh, that I thought that Josh Rosen, uh, Josh Rosen has been in a tough position. Uh, not a good record as a starting quarterback. He's been a part of a lot of losses. But between those two guys, I like Rosen's arm better than I like Darnold's arm. It was clear, wasn't it? Yep. I, I've sort of I've 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 fought the Sam Darnold fight a lot this fall and and still thinking, you know, he was potentially the best quarterback in this draft. Um, but I don't know, man. Watching that game and watching those guys side by side kind of getting the the uh, the price check comparison. Uh, man, it was, it seemed pretty clear that Rosen was the better quarterback right now. And, you know, Herb Street on the broadcast, you know, made the point that Darnold should probably come back to school. I think it's a fair point. I, I would, I would, if I was an NFL team, I would be really weary of drafting Sam Darnold right now. Uh, and, and to that point as well, if it was clear, man, what a waste Josh Rosen's college football career has been. I know. Like it's sad. Uh, I mean, that's and is, is that like the ultimate thing that I that you think you can like encapsulate what uh, you know why the the Jim Moore experience like why it's time to get past the Jim Moore experience because he had three years and not you know there were injuries for sure but I think there were still like. Uh, 29 games maybe that uh that he was the starting quarterback and I think maybe they won like 13 of them yeah I mean I don't obviously I don't know those numbers off offhand but it was I mean he first of all you he, he inherited Brett Hundley and for the first three years that he was in Westwoods he had a pretty good record, um, and yet those were Rick Neuheisel guys. He recruited at a high level in terms of rankings, but didn't develop those guys necessarily, and included in those guys he recruited was was Josh Rosen, and obviously he was hurt last year a lot, but um, for, for him to do nothing with him, and basically, if, if anything, like he almost put – and I don't want to say this like 
don't take this wrong, not in a malicious way, but he, you know, he put his career in jeopardy in a way by the way they weren't able to protect him. They were, they weren't able to, um, you know, keep him clean, keep him healthy. Uh, I mean, that's just a, we could have seen one of the best, like this guy. What, what's been what's the, the phrase coaching malpractice? <laughs> yeah, there's a little of that to it. And part of it's the hires. Like I think Adrian Clem was, was offensive line coach, you know, who he's playing for $700,000 a year to be a great recruiter. You know, he got a, he got hit with uh, violations, right? Hit with violations, and and all the while the offensive line wasn't developing. Um, you know, the they couldn't hold on to an offensive coordinator. He, you know, defensive coordinators kept on leaving on him. You know, it's just a nothing really seemed to go right the last three years. And I, I can't remember if I said it on this pod or not, but I've said it before. Of anybody out there in college football. Based on on the field and just sort of resume, body of work, he deserved the firing more than anybody. You did say it on this podcast, actually. There you go. Um, Sixteen and thirteen in twenty nine games. So that was uh, that's that's very very average for a player who looks like the best pro prospect quarterback in college football right now. Yeah, man. I, so you know, so like. And and they and, and I was a little surprised just based on talk, you know, it seemed like they weren't going to make a move. Well, that was a, that was Dennis's Dennis's argument was, uh, you know, I don't know if UCLA is the kind of school or program that's interested in paying the twelve million dollar buyout. And since the firing, it's been interesting to see some of the West Coast insiders coming out with two major takeaways. Number one, the fact that UCLA was willing to make that pay was willing uh to pay 12 million dollars to get rid of him says we already invest they've invested a lot into the infrastructure over the last couple years of ucla football and this is saying this is almost like an additional investment in infrastructure because ucla leadership does not believe that jim mora is the coach to lead UCLA into the the next era of football with all these brand new facilities, with this heavy investment in the football program, that you need someone different, someone who who they think is going to be suited for that. Uh, and number two, um, that they're going they're stepping in line for Chip Kelly. Yeah, that's the big that's the big question now. So I, it, it would have seemed like and and right, like it went from all right, we can't pay. $12 million to get rid of a coach after we've already invested all this into facilities and it, and it transitioned into, we've invested all this into facilities, pay whatever it takes. What's we 12 million go. more dollars on this hundreds of millions of dollars that we've already put into this. And it seems clear to me that, that I mean, they obviously want Chip Kelly and it seems clear to me that they, they made this move thinking that we have to do this now or we're, we're going to miss Chip Kelly. And the reports now, there's there's finally real concrete reports that Florida met with Chip Kelly last night, and we're recording this. You know, who, We'll see what time you get this out, Chip, that you may be, may be against the clock here. But <laughs> we're, we're recording on Monday morning, and at this point there's nothing saying that there's been a, a deal in place Um for Chip Kelly to go to Florida, but that's what last night was about. Florida met with Chip Kelly to sign a deal. They had sort of a principal agreement in place, and as of yet, nothing has been announced. There has been some buzz that once UCLA came open yesterday, 
Chip Kelly then said, hold off. I'm not quite, you know, it was almost like he had the, you know, he had the pen to paper, was ready to sign, and then, you know, got a phone call and, uh, you know, heard the UCLA job was coming open and then just sort of said, well, hold on, I'm going to back off a little bit. And if he ends up taking UCLA with that, with it being that close to going down, that that would be a, uh, man, a brutal pill to swallow for Florida. But that's where we are. I think now it's, it's Chip Kelly deciding between UCLA and Florida with, with Florida being way down the road on contract negotiations uh, and, and him just deciding whether would, you know, you know, he needs to explore the UCLA opportunity. To me, UCLA makes a ton more sense for Chip uh, based on what we know about him or we think we know about him. But it would be, it would be pretty exciting, uh, you know, in either spot to see him because that, that's – I mean, I think both those schools are schools that would be really successful with him you know, as the coach. Well, and yeah, and that's where like we have to balance the, you know, what do we think is the more likely with what is the most interesting and like what is good for business? Like what is good for business? I don't know. I'm in North Carolina. You're in Tennessee. We work for CBS. We got the SEC on CBS. Chip Kelly at Florida is very good for business. Chip Kelly at UCLA might be better for Chip Kelly. Right. Right? Right. I, uh, I'll say this, like for... For college football, right? I I think that what I'm hoping for for college football is Chip Kelly to UCLA, Scott Frost to Nebraska. I don't know who that leaves for Florida. Yeah, what does that do, dude? If Florida gets left out, uh, if, if Florida doesn't get Chip Kelly or Scott Frost, this is going to be a sad whimper of a hire for the Gators. It would be, I, I, probably. But, it could, but it, like, I think... My point is, I would love to see all these blue bloods be great, and I think you say it would be great under Chip Kelly. I think Nebraska would potentially be great under Scott Frost, and I think Florida doesn't need necessarily those guys to be great. They could find another coach, whether it's Mike Norvell or any you know any number of guys, and and they could still be great. I know Florida fans want Chip Kelly, and and that's I get it. I, I you know. I wouldn't be disappointed to see that either because that'd be fun to see that in the SEC East. That'd be a blast. But I think the perfect storm for me in terms of making college football really fun nationally would would be Frost in Nebraska and Chip to, to UCLA. But uh, I, w- I won't be... I won't be disappointed to see him in Gainesville either. You are, uh, in addition to being a senior writer for CBS Sports, you are the national director of scouting, a position you've held for a while at 24-7 Sports. What, like, in my mind... That makes California recruiting ridiculous because Nebraska is trying to get into California, right? And do, and does a pretty decent job. You throw Scott Frost there, who I'm assuming and like I'm, I'm guessing is has plenty of experience recruiting California and the West Coast from all his time as an Oregon staffer. Like you would all of a sudden have, and you know California, I've know one of the most populous states in the country and lo, you know talent rich to the gills, but then you've got Chip Kelly at UCLA. You've still got USC. You've got whatever Willie Taggart is going to be able to try to do at Oregon. And you throw in uh, Scott Frost as like the hot new buzz at Nebraska. That's, uh, that's intense. Man, it would be, yeah. I mean, that's the way it's supposed to be. And that's, and I think, and there's, there's so many good players in those hotbeds that there's like, you're not going to, you're not going to mine them dry, and and there's and I think 
again, I'm just I, you know I'm just pro getting these big you know big name programs rolling. You know, it's it's funny like as we it's going to be fascinating. Like, it's this this podcast as we're talking may very well be outdated by the time it's released. Honestly, like we're uh, Thomas Goldcamp um, at GatorBait.net is has have some interesting reports this morning that. It, I mean, they they seem to be co- fairly confident that this is this could be done right now for uh, for Chip Kelly. Um, like he like Chip Kelly wants to go and check out UCLA because that was the the reports that I've been getting is that no deal is in place. Chip wants to talk to UCLA first, but Florida is essentially like in the golf tournament terms the leader in the clubhouse right now. They are in the clubhouse, and and it's just the question is whether this is official or not because this might even be signs. And we just haven't, you know, hadn't leaked yet. So, um, so yeah, so that's where we're at. But but there's a lot more going on beyond those two schools. Well, I'm glad we didn't lead the podcast with that. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that the first uh, 45 minutes had a little bit more staying power. Um, <laughs> like, let's see, we're it's it is uh, take the the listeners in real time. It's 10 11 a.m. right now on the East Coast. I bet I can get this turned around by 12 15. So we'll see. If they do a noon news drop, might be in trouble. That's right. <laughs> it might be it might be up to date at the beginning of the podcast, but by the time they get to the the coaching search part at the end of the podcast, it's it, done. Maybe outdated. So you you sound pretty con- like you know the the U- there's the UCLA uh, angle to this, but I'm I'm hearing in your voice, you know, at least like you said, based on reports, based on you no know, Thomas Goldgamp, who's been on this podcast, does a great job covering Florida, always has had like a very good finger on the pulse, both behind the scenes and with the fan base. Um, that's uh, that sounds like the, the chip Kelly to Florida. You, you're feeling, feeling like that's probably like the m- most likely way that this ends. It's like, yeah, as, as we sit here right now, nine twelve central time, that seems to be like where the smart money is played, but I'm, I'm not, don't get me wrong. Like I'm, I still think, and, and this man just UCLA just makes so much more sense to me. And, and so, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens here. Mm. Uh, but what else, see what else we got from a coaching standpoint, the, the, there's, there's rumors now that Arkansas is pursuing Malzahn. Right. Um, Defend, depending on you know what happens in the Iron Bowl, uh, if he loses, then they they'll, they'll make a run at him. A um, and M, Texas A and M got out here and beat Ole Miss. They did. I mean, I don't think it saved Kevin Sumlin's job necessarily, but if Texas A and M doesn't like what the candidate pool looks like, we could run the Kevin Sumlin experience back. What's uh, you know, and, and and what's our? I still think our best. Our best bet, if we're looking for everyone to be successful, and we're assuming the John Gruden rumors are are bunk, I think we're you know Dan Mullen to Tennessee seems like the best way for that program to get on track, doesn't it? And Kevin Sumlin to UCLA. And Kevin Sumlin to UCLA. How, can you imagine being a fan base watching your team come back thirty five down to beat <laughs> Texas M and and then take their coach. <laughs> but I think it could fit. Like I do think he could be really successful there. I think Kevin Sumlin gets a little bit of a raw deal. I think he could be a successful coach at UCLA. I think that could be a good marriage. Um, that would be interesting. Um, all right. So keep keep going. Like if we want people to be successful, Dan Mullen to Tennessee. Um, so then you go. 
so then you go what? I guess Arkansas. Yeah, the best case scenario there is Arkansas getting Malzahn, and then Auburn. You know, they open the checkbook up, and they. You know, that's sort of one of those where anybody probably becomes a candidate there. Whether it's Jimbo Fisher, who's got some. Oh, he's got some Auburn. He's got some Auburn in him. Mm. Gets Jimbo Fisher over to Auburn. Now Florida State. They go over hiring like. Um, who can Florida State hire? That's just there's there's. I have no if, idea. Do you know who Florida State could hire? Florida State could be. Uh, Florida State could be. Who's one of your top outside of uh, Brent Venables, or what if it is Brent Venables? Who's uh, who? Who's the top DC hire? Joe Spread and uh, Greg Schiano. What about Florida State hiring Greg Schiano? <laughs> Man, that's uninspiring. I don't know, man. Like, how did Greg Schiano get to be an uninspiring hire? Seriously, because I, I hear you. People think that, but how did he get to that point? Because remember what he did at Rutgers. Yeah, I know, but like, and the, then he went to the NFL, and he and he wasn't that, that successful in the NFL. But neither was Nick Saban. Yeah, but he didn't like what, what you, look what he did at Rutgers. But Nick Saban wanted ship at LSU. Like the the look what he did at Rutgers against a title ring gives you so much more confidence when it comes to coming back because Greg Schiano wasn't just like a thorn in the side of his own players. Like Greg Schiano just ruffled every feather in the NFL, which maybe is a good thing. You know, maybe there's something about that mentality that you know you can consider a, a key for success. But that's why everyone talks about him that way. It's because he was like the. He he was like the the party guest that showed up and didn't know any of the unwritten rules. <laughs> yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, but that's that's a different game. That's why these college guys don't always work out in the NFL. Um, you know, I I don't know. Like I think his his structure works in college. It's proven to work in college. So I'm not I'm not trying to get on the Greg Schiano train. I'm just I think. He is a – when he gets a job, whether it's Tennessee or Florida State or, I don't know, A&M maybe in the fit, but one of these gigs he's going to get, and, and I think we're going to look back and, 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 and think that that was, in retrospect, a huge hire. Mm. <sighs> we'll see. Well, do you think Kevin Summons back at Texas A&M? No. I don't. Do you think that Gus Malzahn really would go to Arkansas from Auburn? There seems to be. I mean, I, I didn't Malzahn address it publicly and being like, "Man, these people had me fired two weeks ago. Now they, you know, now they, uh, now they got me leaving for Auburn, like or for Arkansas." Um, I don't know. I th- yes, I guess I do. I do think that could happen. Wow, I think that's realistic. That would be something else. All right, we got a big week. We'll have uh, Gary Danielson. We'll have Danny Cannell. We'll have another edition of the Locks. Did you know that your boy over here went six and two? Yeah, yeah. Up back Lace to even. I do think that your regular season title is locked up, though. Plus twenty nine nine points ahead of Tom at plus eleven. Maybe I'll just go a nine a nine pack next week just to make it just to make it interesting. No, you get your banner. And then it's just the wild, wild west for the bowl games. Yes. Yeah, you'll get your regular season banner. Idle and then go get the tournament. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Uh, he is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. I'm going to try to get this turned around as fast as possible to beat Florida to maybe announcing Chip Kelly. Barton, thank you very much. All right, man. Good luck. We're getting into specifics. Game breakdown. Specifics. Game breakdown. If they played on a neutral field, you would take them. Breaking down the game.